The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome into Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season by our friends at Johnny T-Shirt, who sponsor everything that Inside Carolina does over here. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Viplis, and I'm joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate Jeff Schottmer. Everybody kind of thought Carolina would have that bounce back uh, after losing to Virginia as a 24-point favorite. They go on the road to Atlanta where they have struggled in the past. They they get out to a hot start. But ultimately, the, it's the same team that we saw for, for most of the Virginia game. Uh, Carolina loses 46-42, to 42, a shootout at Georgia Tech to lose and, and drop their record to 6-2 and two now on the season. What were your initial thoughts watching this game? As disappointed as I was watching the game last week, you know, I didn't think I could be, I thought that was going to be the, you know, the the valley of our season, you know, the thorn of our season, but uh, it went from bad to worse. And, you know, it, it just an all around awful performance um, in, in a moment where we could bounce back with our backs kind of against the wall and, kind of flip the script, flip the narrative of our team and, you know, rewrite the history going forward and, and kind of like, you know, erase that that memory from of, of the UVA game. But we, you know, we got off to a hot start and just just the wheels came off on the defensive end. And the thing that the thing that bothered me from the start was I, you could kind of see the culture of the team depicted on the opening kickoff. So since I've been playing competitive football, your the kickoff team is always taught that when the kicker kicks the ball off, and it's usually five guys on each side of the kicker, if the kicker kicks a touchback, you set the tone and the intensity of the game and the opening kickoff by how fast your kickoff unit runs down. And if, if there is a touchback, the, the 10 guys that are supposed to make the play, they go finish through the end zone. 
and you turn on NFL tape, you turn on Georgia, you turn on Bama, you turn on any team in the country, any team that's worth a shit, and they're finishing through the end zone. And I just think something that small is kind of the depiction of our whole team and the, and the culture of our program is we we don't have attention to the detail on the little things. And, you know, we didn't come out with our hair on fire. The first kickoff of the game is the first play of the game. Go make an impact. And our guys just – for our coaches are are allowing it to happen and our, our guys aren't doing it. So, you know, that that's something very, you know, minute in the whole game. But that's, that's kind of – um that little detail is what kind of set the tone for me um and you know i'd love to hear what you have to say i mean i I don't want to harp on just that one little detail because we have a lot to talk about um but i I think that's kind of the standard of our program yeah i I think it goes without saying you shouldn't have to score 47 points to beat georgia tech just with them being a couple years removed away from uh trying to move away from the triple option. And this is North Carolina's third straight loss to them. And, and for me, I think that – I think Saturday, it, it kind of signified the end of the Mac Brown 2.0 um, tenure because it's it's the same mistakes. It's the same issues. Like you mentioned, I was embarrassed when they lost to Virginia. But as bad as it was, you could write it off. It's a seven-game season. It's an outlier, one bad game, uh, a trap game, even as bad as a a trap game loss as that could be. You could write it off. But they come out against Georgia Tech, and in that second half, especially that fourth quarter where the defense just went completely off the rails, everybody could sense what was happening. And the game essentially comes down to – Hey, Drake May and the offense, can you please save us? And it's a defense that uh, defensive performance, they didn't deserve to win that game. Like if Carolina, if Drake May does go down the field and uh, gives Carolina the lead back one, there's no, there's nothing saying that the defense would have stopped Virginia, uh, stopped Georgia tech from scoring again. And two, if, if for some reason that they, you know, didn't have enough time to to go the full length of the field when they're rushing for, for 10, 12 yards a carry. Um, the, it was just a defensive performance where, like, you don't feel good about that win. And it's, it's the same way they lost to Virginia, where they're putting Drake May in such a bad spot trying to win a game. It's a similar situation to App State. Every North Carolina loss, it's been – you know, similar tendencies. And, and I saw a stat, uh, I, have, I have a bunch of stats, so uh, be patient with me here on, on these stats, but uh, North Carolina, Georgia Tech's six-year senior, I'll start with this one. Dante Smith came up with a career effort rushing for 178 yards, the most for a running back at the school since 2017. Smith came into the game with just 61 rushing yards on the entire season including only 11 in the last five games. In one quarter, the second quarter, Georgia Tech was 14 of 14 in passing, 272 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 19.4 yards per attempt. In the fourth quarter, Georgia Tech runs the ball 22 times for 265 yards, averaging 11.2 yards per attempt. And then the final stat that I have is – since 2020, all ACC teams besides Carolina are 53 and 10 as a double-digit favorite. Carolina has played 12 of those games. 
they're six and six. It's like the the games that Carolina should be winning, that they don't. And, and it, it's it's getting to the point where you know you go on the message board, you go on Twitter. It feels like the the fans are. This is just what they've come to expect now, and, and it does feel like there's a lot of apathy growing towards the program. So um, I, I don't think it's a situation where you fire Mac Brown, like North Carolina is still six and two. He's raised the standard for this team. I, I just think it's a, it's a situation where uh, both sides most likely part at, at the end of the year and, and go their separate ways. That's if, if I had a bet on that right now, if you had a bet is Mac Brown, the head coach 2024 season opener. I think this is his last season. Yeah. I mean, we still got a lot, a couple games, you know, finish out the season, but uh, if I were a betting man, I would say this would probably be his last season. Um, the, the thing that I was when I was watching the game, I'm looking at UNC and, and kind of looking at looking at them as like a fan's perspective. I'm like, here's how I look at it: like, you go on a date with a girl. She, okay, you see this girl on campus. She's the girl of your dreams, the most beautiful girl or guy you've ever seen. Which, whatever you're, if you're a male or female, whatever, and you you take her on a date. And the date goes so well, you're like, I'm gonna marry this girl. The next day, you see her in class, and she's got a she's got a boyfriend or a wedding ring on her finger, and she completely played you. You know that that's how I feel about this. This being a Carolina fan is like you get to these very extreme highs. Like we're six and zero, we're top ten in the country. We just beat Miami, and then we fall flat on our face for two straight two straight games. And it's just like the highs and lows of this of this program are insane, and. I kind of want to mirror, you know, we'll talk about two mirrored situations in terms of in 2020 when UNC beats Miami, where Javante and Mike run wild and we, you know, run for 500, 600 yards and we're top 10 in the country and about to go play AM in the Orange Bowl. You know, the peak of that season, you just felt like there was an upward trajectory of Carolina football. Like we have a really legit quarterback. We have an NFL quarterback. We, we're recruiting really well. We have studs all around. And we're finally going to play in a big time bowl game against an SEC opponent. And then, you know, that season doesn't end up ultimately how we want it to. And then fast forward two years later, we kind of get to flip the script and kind of rewrite the narrative. 2022, we beat Miami. We're six and zero. We're top 10 in the country. The next two games, we fall flat on our face and completely flip the script, you know? And it's just, it's just funny to me that in max tenure, his second tenure, that those are very parallel you know, storylines and, and how we, we, we get to the, we get kind of to the peak, not to the peak, like national championship, but like we're, we're approaching the peak and we're, we're, we're borderline national program. We're trying to get out of the regional program. And then we just fall flat on our face, flat on our face. And, you know, coach Brown, since he's been back, has been talking about changing the narrative from becoming a regional program to a national brand. And, and that's happened twice in his, five years that he's been here that we're, we're approaching it and we just fall flat on our face. And now we're, we're going to be a regional product for the next couple of years, I believe. Yeah. The, the issue with, with the staff and the team and the, the program as it is right now, they just have no answers when other teams identify what their weaknesses are. And I, I think that is a reflection of, of your leadership where other teams figure out where Carolina is susceptible and they start leaning on them. And North Carolina has zero answers. They can't get off the field. 
The defense is a the defense is a complete mess. Your interior defensive linemen are are getting blown off the line on a on a consistent basis. Georgia Tech was rushing for I don't have the exact number in front of me. They were rushing for essentially a first down every time they put the ball on the ground. Tempo, it's a it's a North Carolina team that as the season's gone on, the the rotation of guys has has kind of gotten shorter. And you know, you'd you'd expect more people to be playing as the year goes on and more people get comfortable, but it's kind of been the opposite for this North Carolina team. And the guys that are playing that came in as these, you know, heralded recruits, they're getting pushed back so far on every play. And the 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 announcers are making comments like, oh, North Carolina's defense is gassed. Yeah, I'd be gassed too if every play I was getting blown off the ball seven yards and I was getting driven back. Like the defense when when they started making those gas comments, you know, that was midway through the fourth quarter. And I think Georgia Tech had the ball for for like a minute in in the entire third quarter where you know it's it's not like their snap numbers are high the the player that had the most snaps on Carolina's defense was came on Rucker I'm pretty sure came on Rucker is the only one who played over 60 snaps I'll look to confirm that right now um yeah power echo Cedric Gray yeah came on Rucker played in the high 70s 80s Cedric Gray had a pretty good game, I thought, where you know he he's he's pretty consistent with what he's gonna do. Came on Rucker, looked pretty good in, in the snaps he's gonna do. But that interior defensive line, those aren't the guys that are playing 70 plus snaps in this game. And and North Carolina, the, the defense is so bad. And I, I think one of the other issues with this North Carolina team is that tempo. Teams start going tempo on them, and there there's zero answers. What are you seeing? when other teams are, are tempoing North Carolina and where has the defense fallen off so far the past two games where they're regressing back to that 2022 defense and even worse. I, I kind of want to start with the first quarter because the first quarter was as good of a start as I could have imagined for this Carolina team coming off that UVA loss. Like talk about, I mean, we'll get to the offense, but our defense, look, they have two fourth and short stops in the first quarter, um, they're lining up, they're being physical, they're ID in formations, they're ID in personnel. They, they have a little pep in their step. And then all of a sudden the second quarter turns and um, you're right. Georgia tech turns up the tempo a little bit. And they, the, the first touchdown they score is on an unbalanced formation. So they put all the skill receivers on one side of the ball. So when that happens on defensive football, you have to adjust in certain, in a certain way, you either run the corner over or you roll the safety down and, and handle it that way. And there were some communication issues with, with our secondary in terms of how they were going to do that. On the first play that they scored, um, I forget who the corner was. It was either Marcus or or uh, Holloway. They're running over late to, to cover down on number three to the field, and they run a simple bubble screen. No, nothing crazy. The scheme is literally we're gonna Georgia Tech's gonna get the ball into their playmakers' hands in space very quickly and try to try to make a tackle or try to miss a ta- break a tackle and 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 gain some positive yards. Uh, we're late getting lined up, obviously just one guy, but the other two guys that I want to point out are are uh, Geo Biggers and uh, Stick Lane. I've been talking all year about 
pursuit to the ball, pursuit angles to the ball, our tackling ability in space, our effort, our intensity, our physicality, it, it completely flipped the switch. We stopped doing all of those things. And if, if I hope Jason Staples does a, a breakdown of this play later in the week, but it's like we completely we, we, we loafed on the play from multiple positions and we took terrible angles and didn't use our leverage. And there's, there was just so many issues and it was such a simple play. It was just a, a bubble screen to the, to the three receiver. And um, it just, it compounded the rest of the game in terms of we never made any corrections whenever they would do an unbalanced formation or run, run tempo is we didn't have like one quick check we could make to get everyone on the same page. You know, we were, it just, it just bothered us the rest of the game. And, and, and part of that is, is coaching is okay. We got an ID. They're running tempo, get the call in quick, or just tell them to have an automatic check whenever they're in the, this formation, run this coverage. It's very simple. The front knows what they're doing. The, the back end knows what they're doing. And it, it's usually like a base training camp call that they've run a thousand times. And you do that just because, Okay, you're trying to scare Georgia Tech out of the tempo. Okay, we we know we can align down on whatever formation you have. We're going to be safe, sound, line up, and go play football. And we we never did it. And the frustrating thing to me about us, we see tempo all the time. We see it from our offense and practice. We we practice it. You know, we we've been playing tempo teams for you know the last five years now. So I I don't know why we can't handle tempo, but um. It's just it's frustrating on both ends. It's the players and the coaches. I mean, every everyone's at blame for this. Yeah the 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 issue with the players and and them loafing and not being in the right spot and a lot of that I'm I'm falling it back on the coaches because again this isn't a a one off thing with them and it doesn't feel like there there is accountability and when we talk about same issues keep popping up against these lesser teams and the same mistakes keep popping up against these lesser teams. Uh, Georgia Tech blocked a punt. Three block punts in, in one season. I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a team get their uh, their punt blocked three times in one season. And and this is, this is becoming a, a weekly thing with this North Carolina team where you're you're essentially better off keeping Drake May out on the field for fourth downs than sending out your your punt unit. Have what, what are you seeing from from Carolina's punt team and and how do teams keep getting through and how aren't the coaches correcting what's happening because it seems like other they're giving they're giving them the same look essentially. Other teams are identifying where Carolina's weaknesses on these punts and, and teams are continually getting a hand on punts. Yeah, and you kind of listen to Max' press conference after the game, and he says, you know, our, our special teams played pretty well other than the block punt. And, it, I mean, we, we miss we miss a clutch field goal at the end. We we get a punt blocked, and he's like, well, it didn't hurt us that, you know, our, our defense got an interception right after. Well, well I think that's our issue is we're like that – ha- that interception had nothing to do with the punt block. We got a punt blocked, and it could have been way worse than it was. So, like, let's address the issue head on that we got a punt blocked and not compliment the defense for for, for getting an interception there. Um, it's it, – and actually, our punter punted it pretty well when he, when he got a foot on it. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a stat. If, if you get a punt blocked 
um, you're going to lose the game 80% of the time. You know that stat? I mean, that's that's like – I think it's from Butch Davis. I feel like it's, I heard it's, Butch Davis. It's training camp 101. It's like the first thing that they say on the first day of practice. It's like if we block a punt in the game, we're going to win the game 80% of the time. So, well, that, well, that stat held true for Georgia Tech. Um, but it's just uh, – that's a microcosm of our whole team. It's like, like I mentioned in the opening monologue of – our kickoff unit not running through the end zone on the opening kickoff. Well, us getting multiple punts blocked and not making changes throughout the season, like you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. You know, I said that earlier and it's, we're not, we're, we're not coaching it. It's happened multiple times throughout the year and we're just allowing it to happen and we're not making changes. So we don't, we don't deserve to, you know, have our name in the top 25 or, or, you know, play for an ACC championship. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-man. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Yeah, it, it, same issues, same mistakes, little little to no accountability. Uh, I have another stat here uh, from Sherelle McMillan from Inside Carolina. In UNC's last six losses dating back to 2022, it's held a 10 point lead at least a 10 point lead in the second half in four of those six losses and and it's not you know we're not playing Alabama we're not playing Georgia we're not playing teams with these high power offenses outside of Oregon in in those four losses that Carolina had a double digit lead it's Georgia Tech twice UVA last week and then Oregon what was the fourth team what do you think it says about a team that they they get up, they get comfortable, and they might think the game's over and, and they allow that window for a team to get back in a game pretty easily. I think if you see a see a pattern and this happening multiple times, I think it I guess you got to question the culture of the program. And, and culture is a is a very widely used term that a lot of people just say, well, it's the it's the culture of the program. That's why they're, you know, they're losing or winning. Um and, and and maybe it is the culture in this sense that we like we have teams on the ropes a bunch. We have we have our foot on their neck and we don't finish them off. Like that's got to come from the top in terms of when we're when we're up ten in the second half against an inferior opponent, we have to deliver a kill shot every time. And I think it starts from the top, then it goes to the coordinators. And obviously the senior and, and junior leadership, the best players on the team, they have a hand in that as well. So everyone's at blame. Um, 
and the reason I thought this team was different, like we spoke about last week, was our best players are our leaders, and they have played a lot of football. And I think maybe they haven't figured figured out how to win when they're up, you know, because those are the same guys that has been happening to, you know, the past couple of years. So um, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words because, you know, watching that first quarter, the way we came out with the, the energy, the effort, the tempo, the physicality, the sense of urgency, the body language. And I'm like, where did it all go? It was a tale of quarters. Like you look at our defense, we give up zero in the first quarter, zero in the third quarter, and we give up 46 combined in the other two. It's like, like, what are we missing? Because how can you, it's just like, is it, is it the ability to focus? Is it attention to detail? Like what is the driving factor in this that, we can look so good at times, and then we go through a, a you know a twelve minute stretch where we look like we're the worst group of five football team in, in the whole in the whole country. Not even power five, like we look like we're the worst group of five team, and it's just like I don't know. I wish I could put a finger on it. What, what did the live line get up to? So the live, I looked in the at the end of the first quarter when we're up fourteen to nothing. So the opening line was eleven or twelve depending on where you looked at it, it got up to 26 and a half. And, and everyone knows that Vegas is always right. Like you look at games across the board and it always comes down to the exact spread that Vegas picks. Vegas had us 27 point favorites after the end of the first quarter because they were watching that game. They knew we were going to run away with it. I tweeted out. I was like, we should win by 21 after after watching the first couple drives and it, and it would be a disappointment if we don't. Um, so I, I kind of regret that. Maybe I was the jinx on the on the on the game. First of all, I don't believe in jinxes. I believe in I was gonna say, I was gonna say your tweet from Dallas, Texas had no impact on no on what impact was happening at Bobby Dodd Stadium. No impact. You, you know what has impact on, on the game on Saturday or the second, third, fourth quarter is 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 winter conditioning, it's spring practice, it's summer practice, it's fall camp, it's the week of practice leading up to it, it's everything. And I think that's our deep rooted issue. Is there's there's talk- something there's something we're missing in that period, whether it's from January to August or from Monday through Friday of game week. That that's the deep rooted issue is what we're where we're missing the mark. We're gonna get right back to it, but first I have to remind everybody about Johnny T-shirt. If you're making it to the Campbell game, head on over to Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. If you're not going to be in Chapel Hill, you could visit Johnny Frank, uh, Johnny T-shirt at johnnytshirt.com. Stock up on all your Carolina gear. They are always running great sales there. And as we get closer to the holidays, as we get closer to basketball season, you are going to want as much Carolina gear as possible. They are great people, great customer service. And don't forget, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers, save 10% off their orders. Sean, I want to talk about the the end game sequence where North Carolina is down to resorting to hoping to stop Georgia Tech with uh, 2.54 left on the clock, under three minutes in the game. And what you saw from the Carolina defense, because I, with the way Georgia Tech was was running the ball, I don't think anybody who, who – um, likes Carolina and wanted Carolina to win had had any sort of faith that Carolina would get a stop. And of course they don't get a stop. 
it's just the deep rooted issues we have in our program. You know, everyone in this stadium that was at the game knew Georgia Tech was running the ball. Every player, every coach, every fan, every band member, every every person watching the game on TV, every person in the game following the game on Twitter, they knew that Georgia Tech was running the ball. Georgia Tech in the last two minutes of the game ran the ball six times for 25 yards and then took a knee to lose two yards and, and win the game. The fact that we – so Georgia Tech is knows that they're going to run their – Top two or three runs that they've been running the whole game. They're not going to do anything different, anything different than they haven't done earlier in the game. And we can't stop anything. We have no knockback from our defensive line. We're, we're getting pushed around when we know that if we get a stop, we're giving the ball back to the best quarterback in the country with a chance to win a game. But we can't stop them. And there, there's no creativity from, from our the defensive side of the ball in terms of like, all right, let me dial up this blitz to create a TFL. No, it was it was base defense, and they're going to hand the ball off, and they're going to get four yards. It's just like gamble, do something. You know they're not going to pass the ball. Let me get a corner blitz and a nickel blitz, and slant the line, and and have a spy player for when the quarterback pulls it. Like, don't just line up in your base defense and just let them knock you back and run the ball six times for twenty five yards. It's that that to me is like the epitome of our, of our program right now. It's just like we got pushed around when, when everyone knew they were running the ball. And that's the, I guess that's the quote unquote culture problem we have. Yeah. It felt like a under three minutes left. It felt like a white flag, basically what the defense was doing. It was a defense that knew that whatever Georgia tech was, whatever Georgia tech wanted to do, Georgia tech was going to be able to do, um, nothing from the coaching staff. You you're in, you know, your, your nickel personnel, which is usually used to, you know, defend passes. Uh, when, when, like you mentioned, I don't think any, you could have offered Georgia Tech's head coach a, a three-time raise and he was not going to throw that ball. He's a former under. offensive lineman. You know, he's going <laughs> to run the ball in that situation. Those Offensive linemen are the biggest hardos in the world in terms of they're like, we're going to establish dominance and we're going to run the ball. Like that's exactly what they were doing. We had three timeouts. Like we can't stop them three times under 10 yards. Cause you know, if it's fourth and one, they're probably going to punt the ball. Cause we're on, you know, they were backed up. Um, it's just like, yeah, we, we bent the knee. Yeah. And I, I also, you know, one thing I feel like, we learned from our playing days is that just because you have a bad result or a bad game, um, there were bright spots in this game. Omar and Hampton, I thought was a, a huge bright spot for this North Carolina team. 29 carries, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he's 77 yards away from 1K through Carolina's first eight games. I think he's the best running back in the ACC at this point. And that's even with him playing in a, a limited role against that South Carolina team. What what he's been able to do this season has has been tremendous. And I, I there was a part of the pain from the Virginia loss was like, you have Omar in Hampton, use him. He he if he if he's the best running back in the ACC, there's no reason why he shouldn't touch the ball the last eight minutes. It felt like North Carolina tried to correct that. Uh, Georgia Tech just did a better job on those last drives of, of slowing him down and, and forcing Carolina to beat, 
beat them elsewhere. And that kind of goes back to the other point where, you know, once, once the other team makes adjustments, which they're going to make adjustments, it feels like Carolina runs out of answers a lot quicker than, than other teams do. Uh, but what did you like from Omar and Hampton? He's a beast, man. I mean, he is, he is the best running back in the ACC and he's solidified himself and set himself up for being one of the top you know, running back prospects in, in the 2025 draft. I, I know some draft scouts are watching, you know, Drake May because his tape's getting analyzed every day, and they're seeing this this six-foot, you know, Greek god running the ball. You know, he's, he's, his, he's built from head to toe. He's got muscles everywhere, and he, he shows it on the field. He runs like he looks. You know, the two of his touchdown runs were – you know, unbelievable of how he's breaking tackles and his, his contact balance and uh, just his physicality and the way he finishes runs. Uh, you know, we're, we're lucky to have him, and I, I wish we could, you know, use him even more. Cause you know, after, after the first game versus South Carolina, you see British Brooks go run wild and we're like, damn, he's going to be the guy. And then, you know, a minor ankle injury to him opens up the door for, for Hampton. Uh, and he's, he's lived up to his recruiting status and um, you know, People talk about us wasting Drake and and Sam, but you know Hampton is he's a beast, man. Yeah, it it comes down to you're, you're wasting everything on, on the offensive side of the ball. It's why we really haven't talked about the offense at all from this game because again, you you shouldn't have to score 47 points to beat a team like Georgia Tech. You really shouldn't have to score 47 points to beat anybody. It, it's shades of this USC team that we're watching where every game turns into a shootout and you're, you're trusting your quarterback to get the either you're trusting your team to get the ball last or, or your quarterback to make one more play than the other team makes. Um, yeah. It, it's, I think Omar and Hampton's the best running back in the ACC uh, other positives from that game. I, I think Drake may is the best quarterback in the country. I think you have a, a top three wide receiver um, in Tez Walker uh, so prayers up to Tez Walker, who, who took a, a, a brutal shot yesterday or on Saturday. Um, I think you have a, a, a top three receiver in Tez Walker, Florida State. Those guys would give him a, a run for their money. But, you know, I, I know Carolina has a lot of confidence in their guys. Bryson Nesbitt, I don't think Carolina could use him enough in this offense with how big a mismatch he is. Uh, you, you do have great skill players on the offensive side, offensive side of the ball. Drake May, Tez Walker, Bryson Nesbitt, and, and it does feel like those guys are going to waste when, when you pair them with a defense that's now trending back towards the 100s. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not good. I mean, if you, if, you, if you grade the offensive performance yesterday, I think there's two drives out of, I don't know if they had 11 or 12 total, that you would essentially want back. I think the first one is the end of the third quarter um, where, you know, I think we're up 10 at this point and we have the ball and we get to third and three and, and we, we kind of give a, what's what I thought was an inside handoff that Hampton just bounced out wide because there was some, some uh, interior pressure. Um, but, you know, we got to find a way to, I think that was probably one call that Chip Lindsay wants back. And then obviously the, Tez fumble in the fourth quarter, which was a great play by the Georgia Tech defense. So judging our offense, I mean, I, I give it an A minus. You know, you score 40 something points and you 
run the ball like we did and and Drake throw the ball like he did. And, um, you know, it, it's frustrating for them, but they can't get back in the locker room and start pointing fingers because then this, this whole season would spiral out of control, you know. Um, I, I know Drake's never going to be one of those guys. I don't think any of our guys are really going to go point fingers in the locker room or in the media, you know, blame coaches or blame the you know other side of the ball. But, you know, they held their end of the bargain, but ultimately football is a team game and you need all three phases. And uh, we wasted hell of an offense performance, you know, from our defense and special teams. Yeah, Carolina is getting great performances from their offense and, and getting beat pretty badly on the other two phases. Uh, but that'll take us to our pick of the weekend presented by our friends at Congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence, personal support type of company straight from the Tar Heel State. They are empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people, and they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity is obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, and they are transforming organizations. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn more about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to their consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners and viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. All right, Chop. We're, we're, we're trying to give the people winners. Last week, I went with the midweek game. Minus three, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech absolutely smokes uh, Syracuse, Lane Stadium, Anderson. It was rocking. I I was counting that money by by the second quarter after I gave (laughs) out that pick. Uh, You took Florida. I was actually at that game. Uh, You took Florida plus 14 and a half. It was not close. Georgia kind of, especially Florida, scored the first touchdown in that game. They were up 7 nothing. It had the sense there where it was like, you know, maybe maybe Florida could do this, and Georgia Georgia just took them out behind the wood woodshed and and absolutely suffocated them. You moved to two and two with your picks. I'm three and one. What is your bet for this week? My lock of the week is Notre Dame minus three. You know, I, I watched a little bit of that Clemson uh, NC State game, and Clemson is is not good. Um, their offense is a mess right now. Quarterbacks not making good decisions. And, you know, I'll, I'll ride with a six-year senior and Hartman and the combo of Hartman and Marcus Freeman together. You know, I, I like them even in Death Valley. So I'm taking uh, Clemson – I mean, Notre Dame minus three. It's a noon game too, which I think helps out at, at Death Valley. Yeah. You don't want to play Death Valley at night. But mm-hmm. a noon game with them being, what, four and, four and three now mm-hmm. um, in, in a pretty bad slot. So – uh, Clemson, I think going. they're four and four. Are they four and four? Oh, yep, four and four. Four and four. Tenth in the ACC. This this would be a third straight loss, dropping them to four and five. <laughs> That's uh, not not a good stretch of football for for Clemson. Uh, but shot going with Notre Dame minus three. 
I am going to go a bounce back spot here. I'm going to Bedlam. I'm taking Oklahoma minus six. Oklahoma coming off the road loss at Kansas, uh, their first loss of the season. I, I think they know they need to win this game in, in a pretty convincing fashion to to put themselves back in favor with not only the playoff committee, but more importantly, in, in, in the Big 12 standings and trying to get back to uh, the Big 12 title game to have that rematch with Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State has won four straight. I don't really think they're that good of a team. I, I remember watching uh, Oklahoma State earlier in the season, and they lost to South Alabama. I, I remember they they got handed um, by South Alabama, thirty three to seven. They've rattled off four straight wins: uh, Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. But uh, I'll, I'll take my chances with Brent Venables and improved defense and, and a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel. Oklahoma minus six is my pick. Carolina, it's it's not the the most exciting game to try to get back in in good standings. Uh, it's a, a noon kickoff on ACC Network, hosting the Campbell Camps. The Camels, what an interesting interesting mascot. Uh, I'm calling it now. Shot next Monday, we will be talking about a victory. Guaranteed. And, and if, if we don't, I quit. I'm turning <laughs> in my resignation papers because I, I would not want to do a podcast after three straight losses. And that would probably go down as the worst loss in NCAA history. So I am. Um, I, I don't know if you saw uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo with, with the uh, Phillies Diamondback series. Yep. When the Phillies were up 3 2, he said he would retire if the Diamondbacks came back and won the series. Diamondbacks come back, Chris Mad Dog Russo. No surprise to anybody. Uh, doesn't retire. I'm willing to put my IC career on the line and my Same. IC paycheck on the line. I, I will retire from inside Carolina if Campbell wins. But Shotman, appreciate the time as always and appreciate everybody watching and listening. I'll, I'll retire if we don't win by 30 plus. How about that? I'm willing to say that. So <laughs> have a good week, Tar Heel fans. We'll see you uh, next Monday. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.